Hey, do me a favor quick. Take your notes. Everyone pull out your notes at all campus right now and turn them over. Because I just really felt led last night to redo this whole thing. And so this is a fresh word today. Does that sound good? Y'all want a fresh word? Because that's what I've got. Oh, you can do better than that. There you go. There you go. I'm excited to be sharing with you about Fast Pass because here's the one thing I know about roller coasters. You always have a wait. You guys discovered that? I mean, all, it just takes forever to get on a roller coaster. I mean, you can wait for hours for a ride that takes 30 seconds. I had a friend of mine that waited four hours for one roller coaster that was 17 seconds long. It happened to be the most, it, was, it happened to be the fastest roller coaster in America at the time. And that's why he says it was worth the wait. It was incredible, but four hours. I don't know if I would wait that long. I'm just being honest with you. I'm like, that is a very long time. I am aging as I stand here. Four hours is a long time, you know. I don't know if I could do that, but th this is the ride here. It's crazy. It's called the Dragster. It goes over 100 miles an hour uh, in seconds. It's crazy, and so it looks really fun. But uh, four hours? I don't know. That's a long time to wait. Are you waiting on something in your life right now? Maybe you're waiting for a promotion. You're waiting for a raise. Maybe you're waiting for that special someone to walk into your life, right? All the singles in the church today get frustrated because we clap real fast. You're like, slow the hands down so I can see the ring finger. <laughs> I can't see it. So, you know, so I understand maybe you're waiting, you know, for something like that in your life. But, you know, we all have weights, and we don't like to wait, don't, do we? I, I hate to wait. You know what I'm talking about, that little buffer sign on the Netflix? Don't you just hate that? It's the waiting that drives us crazy, right? I mean, we, we just hate to wait. You ever been to the DMV, right? That is a wait. I'm telling you right now, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? I mean, it just takes forever. They're getting better. They're getting better. But, man, it's just so long. Or maybe you're waiting at the doctor's office. It's frustrating, isn't it? You're like, man, this is bad enough I have to be here, but I'm surrounded by people that had the flu, so I just want to breathe my little air and no one get near me, right? I mean, it's, we, just, we don't like to wait. None of us like a wait. Maybe the wait's a little more serious than that for you. Maybe you're waiting on a spouse to come back to the Lord. Maybe you're waiting for a child to, to get back with, with God. Maybe you're waiting to see someone you lost. And one day you'll have to see them in heaven. Many of us have a wait, you know. And it's tough. Those kind of waits are difficult. We all have to wait in our lives for certain things. And sometimes the wait can be as simple as, Lord, am I ever going to get out of this debt? Am I ever going to finish school, God? It just takes so long to finish school. What is your wait? We all have one. And so what do you do during the wait, I have determined, is the difference maker. What you do while you're waiting in line is such a game changer. Have you ever been to a restaurant and it took forever to get in? Like you go up, you're like, how long is the wait? They say, oh, it's going to be about 45 minutes, right? You're like, 45 minutes? Are you kidding me? I'm going to eat my arm by then. I need to eat. I mean, 45 minutes. So you're like me. You, you jump in the car and you go to another restaurant and they say, oh, the wait here is 45 minutes. You go to another one, 30 minutes. And about four restaurants in, you realize, if I just would have stayed put, I'd be eating right now. Right, but we keep jumping lines. You know, I want to tell you right now, if you go to Disney World, which my family, we, we love going to Disney World. It's one of our favorite things. It's for the kids, of course, not for me. I mean, you know, it's for the kids. But we would go to Disney World, and we would almost, almost annually, not quite, but, you know, if we could afford it, we'd, we'd pull it off. And we'd, we'd go to Disney World. And, and, and as we're there, I remember waiting in line. Now, this is back in the day. For all those of you below the age of 30, I'm about to blow your minds. There was a day that phones didn't have everything on them. I know this is shocking. You're like, What? We actually carried a camcorder, like an actual video recorder. Those do exist. And so instead of it being on your phone. And I didn't have like a book 
on my phone. I could, I could read, right? I didn't have that. And so I actually would take a book with me to Disney World. Why? I was trying to utilize the weight, right? It's like I've got this time in between getting on the next ride, and it just takes forever. If you don't learn to use your wait time better, that's a long time to be sitting around bored or not enjoying yourself. So we have to learn that we all have a wait. All of us do. That's actually the gift of time. So when you're sitting in the waiting room next time, think, this is the gift of time. What am I going to do with these few moments that I have? Maybe take a moment to pray, seek the Lord, maybe go listen to a book on, on audio or, or read or pull up version Bible app, you know, and just, and just get into God's Word. But it's a gift of time. But there's a guy in the Bible that didn't know how to wait. He was very impatient. His name was Samson. And so I just want to give you uh, four simple points about Samson and about his life. Because here's the thing about Samson. Samson is not a life you want to emulate. His life is not an inspiration today. His life is a warning. So it's a little different, but it's true. Our lives are either going to be an inspiration for one, one day to somebody or a warning to somebody all depending on how we live our lives. And so I want to unpack the story of Samson real quick. Samson was an incredibly strong guy. When I say strong, he was supernaturally strong. This guy was incredible. I mean, he could throw Dwayne the Rock Johnson around like he was nothing. I mean, he was a big dude, strong as an ox, right? He's got these muscles hanging all over his body, man. He, he was really strong. The problem was Samson was a he-man with a she problem. He was down with the ladies. Samson never saw a miniskirt he didn't want to chase. And so this guy was all about the, about the ladies. So he, he, would, he would chase them, and the problem was he didn't know how to wait. He didn't know how to wait on the Lord. Let me pick up in the Scripture with you, Judges chapter 4, 14, verses 2. A young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. Wow. Okay, Samson, let us know what you want there, right? So he just sees this woman walk by. He's like, hey. I want her, right? And we say, that's so archaic. I mean, man, like, have some manners. I mean, what are you doing? Just, just I want you now, right? I mean, like, that's so archaic. Well, how is that more archaic than Tinder? Isn't that the same thing? Swipe, swipe. That one. That's the one I want. Where you live. Meet you there. Be there in an hour. What? I mean, it's, it's, that's Samson. And so Samson was all about the ladies. And so he tells his mom and dad, hey, I want her. Get her for me. Verse 3, his father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? So what they're saying there is they're saying, hey, Samson, we get it that you have urges. We get it that God designed you with desires. Nothing wrong with that desire. But could you just find a woman that loves the Lord? See, when it says a woman from my tribe, that's not referring to the same race or tribe or nationality. That's referring to someone who knows the Lord. Could you just wait? In other words, like, I'm all about you thinking someone's hot. Could you find someone that's a Christian, that loves God, that they're hot? Could you pursue that person and pursue them in the right time, in the right way God says? It goes on to say this. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? They asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. So his whole purpose in this woman that he likes, she looks good to me. Now, I know we think that's so shallow. It's pretty much the world we live in, isn't it? She looks good to me. He looks good to me. And so many people are choosing the person they're going to spend, supposed to spend, the next 50 years with based upon one night, one moment, one club, she looks good to me. That normally doesn't go well. And so that's what Samson was all about. Now, fast forward his life. This is the way he lived. Uh, we see that he eventually hooks up with a girl named Delilah. We're going to talk about what Delilah means in a minute. But Delilah was all about how she looked, which is perfect for Samson because he was like, perfect. Here's a girl who is all super sexy looking, and she looks hot all the time, and I can only imagine what her Instagram posts look like. And so 
you know, she was, she, she looked beautiful to him and he was hitting her up. And so they fell in love and we're going to get married, right? It says this, finally, Samson shared his secret with her. So he shared why he was so strong. My hair has never been cut. He confessed for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. So the real strength of Samson was that he took what's called the Nazarite vow. Nazarite vow means you don't drink alcohol. You don't touch anything that's dead. Uh, you, you basically uh, are committed to the things of God and anything that would weaken that you avoid. That's what that really means. And so Actually, a Nazarite is a priest. Samson was a warrior, so really this is a great picture of the church. We are all supposed to be warring priests. Isn't that cool? Set apart for God, yet warring in the spiritual battle going on in the world around us. Some of you chose to praise God today and lifted a hand to God and worshiped him even though he didn't feel like it. You know what you did right then? You declared an act of war against the enemy trying to hold you back. And you said, no, I will not not worship my God today. I don't care how bad my life's going. I will worship you. I will honor you, God. You just declared war when you did that. That was Samson. So the first thing I want you to know is this, though. No weight, no power. Little weight, little power. Big weight, big power. I love going to Disney World, but I don't like the weight. I just, I just don't. But if you wait in the long lines, it's because it's a big ride. It's a fast ride. It's got all the thrills in it. But if you chose to go to Disney World or Fiesta, Texas, or pick the theme park of your choice, if you chose to go to Busch Gardens, wherever, and you went and you said, I don't want to wait in any lines. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to go on anything that has a long line. I'm just going to go to things that only have short or no lines. That would be a very lame trip. Because those are all the rides that have no thrill. So if you're not willing to ever wait... Don't expect to have thrills in your life or expect to only have cheap thrills that don't last. We have to be willing to wait on the things of God. No weight, no power, little weight, little power, big weight, right? The big line, that's for the big ride. But we have to learn to wait. It's such a critical thing. Now, I just mentioned that Samson took a Nazarite vow. And so one of the things that that also meant was he was not supposed to touch anything dead. But look what happens in Scripture here in Judges chapter 14. He killed a lion. He was so strong, he ripped a lion apart with his bare hands. I know it's really graphic and gross, but that's what he did. He ripped him apart with his bare hands. Then, then another day he was going back towards Philistine. Uh, Philistine was where all the, the, the uh, girls that he liked were. By the way, the Philistines worshipped a god named Dagon. That was the father of Baal, which was a fertility worship, which means that basically if you go to their churches back in the day, then women were dancing on poles, literally. They were called temple prostitutes. They would dance on the pole, swing around on it, and then the men would come and lay their money at the throne of Dagon and put money down by the women dancing on the poles. Good thing that never happens anymore today. <laughs> and so this is where the house of worship that he would go to worship there. And, uh, and we wonder why Samson had problems, right? But this is interesting. He, he walks, he kills this lion and on another trip to, to, to uh, Philistia again, uh, which is modern day Palestine today. Um, he goes there. Does anyone wonder, by the, way, by, by the way, why Palestine's so against Israel? This is the end. They've been the enemy of Israel. This is the Philistines. They're still the enemy of Israel. This hasn't changed. The history hasn't changed that much. So it's the same thing going on today, in case you're wondering and want to put that together sometime. So it says here in Scripture, a swarm of bees had, had, had made some honey in the carcass. So the lion he killed, he's walking back by the same route that he killed the lion on uh, days earlier. He sees this dead carcass of so the lion. He goes to check it out, and when he's there, he sees bees have formed basically in the carcass of the lion. So he says, I want some honey. So he reaches in to a dead carcass. Remember the Nazarite vow? And he scoops up some honey from it and begins to eat it on the way on his trip. Total disregard for the vow he took with God. 
If there's ever something that will disempower you, that will weaken you, it's to totally disregard God's rules. So that's what he does. And so he, he gets some honey. And so look what it says in Leviticus chapter 21. A priest must not ritually contaminate himself by touching the dead. Let me ask you something. Are you still touching dead stuff when you're alive in Christ? What does this mean for you and me? Number two, quit touching dead things. There's some dead relationships you shouldn't be going back to. There's some places that should be dead to you that you don't go there anymore. There's some people you used to hang out with that you shouldn't be hanging out with more. Why? Because they need to be dead to you. You've got to go full Godfather. You're dead to me. Because when you hang out with those people, you do things that dead people do, people that aren't alive in Christ. The Bible says you're either alive in Christ and dead to sin, or you're alive to sin and dead to Christ. If you become alive to Christ, you've got to realize there's certain things that you just don't go back to. And one of those things was who he was wanting to be with, which was Delilah. If you fast forward the story of his life, he ends up with Delilah. Look at Judges chapter 16, verse 19. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep. Then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. And so basically he told her, here's the real secret to my strength. It's because I have a Nazarite vow and I promise not to ever cut my hair, drink alcohol. Uh, that was a part of the Nazarite vow too. And I will not, never touch dead things. He did all those things. I mean, he would do all those things in one night. So he would break all the rules that God had given him. And so guess what happened? She says, oh, baby, please tell me why you're so strong. And so she eventually, she manipulates him. He actually tells her why. Then she calls in guys to cut, her, cut his hair. This woman was bringing him down. Check it out. It says, she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. To bring him down. Underline that. To bring, or write that down, I'm sorry. To bring him down. Just write that phrase down. Who is bringing you down right now that you're hanging out with? Why are you hanging out with him? Who's bringing you down? If I were to go into our prison ministry today and ask them, tell me, how would you end up here? They always start the next sentence, the same line, something like this. Well, you see, I had these friends. So you don't choose to make bad choices. You choose to hang out with people who make bad choices. And then it draws you in. That's how that works. And so his strength left him. Then, then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. Just imagine someone pinning you down, taking a knife, sticking it through your eyeball and pulling your eye out. This is a hideous sight. This is a terrible thing that's happened to him. I guarantee you that when he started dating Delilah, he had no idea what it would cost him. It would literally blind him. So he loses both eyes. Quit touching dead things. You got to quit touching dead things. You know, I want to tell you something about Samson. He just didn't know the way. If he just would have waited on the Lord for the right woman to come along, he had been fine, but he just chose not to do that. And so what we have to learn to do is make sure in our weight that we actually wait. Wait in your weight. When you have a weight, don't throw a fit. Don't be a baby. You ever seen a baby in line at a theme park throwing a fit? What happens? The parents have to take them out of line. So if you throw a fit because you're waiting, you may not ever get on the ride. You may be disqualifying yourself from even being on the thrill you want because you're throwing a baby fit. Do you know what the name Samson actually means? It means it's, a, it's a Hebrew name for child. It's a baby name. And so basically, Samson walks into huge muscles everywhere, and we look at him, hey, what's up, Nino? <laughs> he's a baby. He's a big baby. And so even though he looks all muscular and strong, he's actually a what? On the inside, he has no strength. He can't say no to anything or anybody. 
So he doesn't have the ability to do that. You know what Delilah means? I looked this up. Delilah is also a Hebrew baby name. I think that's so fascinating to me. That when the man is all about looks and the woman is all about using her looks, those are two babies that get together. That's foolishness attracting foolishness. So what happens is we wonder why their relationship is so mature and so weak. Because it's just all about attraction, outward attraction only. And there's nothing else there. We have to have something deeper. The Hebrew name for Samson means child. The Hebrew name for Delilah means amorous or sexual or sensual. But guess what it also means? It means weakening. Ladies, if you use your sexuality to get a man, here's the problem with that. Every day of your life, that's weakening. No one stays pretty their whole life. No one stays pretty and young. You can be pretty and older, sure. But the truth is, is that the attraction you have now, all of us, men and women, we won't have one day. It's really true. My wife used to tell me when we were younger, we were dating, she'd say, I just love your heart. I was like, do you love anything else here? Is there anything else you love? I've learned to appreciate that as I get older. See, I don't know what's up with my age now, but I can grow hair everywhere but my head. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, would you like us to shave your ears today, Pastor? You know, you're getting your hair cut, your back, your neck. I'm like, this is unbelievable. I mean, it just <laughs> so sad. The truth is this. None of us are going to be able to continue thinking it's all about how I look. It's all about attraction. And that's all Samuel had to offer, and that's all Delilah had to offer him. So what does this mean for you and me today? Don't fall for the things that are shiny. Don't fall for the people who just look good, sounds good. Big mistake. We got to learn that there's a weight for everything. You know how we do this? Maybe, maybe you're doing good in relationships. Let me ask you about your finances real quick. Are you two years into your career wondering why you don't have the same house and car that your parents have? They've been doing this for 25 years, and you're two years in, and you're wondering why you don't. Oh, so you know what? I'm going to skip the process of actually waiting on things. I'll just go get a MasterCard. And buy everything I want now so I can live like my parents at age 25, even though they're 55. And then we wonder why we get in financial trouble. We never learned to wait. Oh, they just won't give me a promotion to this company. I'm going to go to another company. And you hop to another one. They won't give me a promotion. They're going to go to another one. And so you never really dawned on you that the reason why you're at the level in the companies you're in is because every company you've been, been there two years. And all your bosses have been there 10 years. If you'll learn to just stay faithful and wait, then they can trust you with more influence, more power. Every power position has a long wait. Are you willing to wait? Are you always on to the next thing? Are you willing to wait? So you feel called in the ministry. That's awesome. But we can't even get you to move chairs. I mean, you're called to ministry, but you, you, won't, you won't sweep the youth room. No, oh, but I want to preach. I want to preach on the big stage. I want to sing in the big stage. Will will you preach to three students in in a small group? No, I don't want that. Okay, then you're called for everyone to listen to you, but you're not really called to help people then? I don't know what kind of calling that is. Are we willing to wait? Are we willing to put in the time? Or do we just want everything now? See, this is the, the sermon nobody wants to hear. But one of the greatest gifts God gives you is a wait. David was anointed by God. As a teenager, he did not become the king he was anointed to become for 15 more years. That's a long way, guys. How about Joseph? Joseph got this vision from God in a dream that he would lead his brothers and lead other people one day. 14 years later, it finally happened. 14 miserable years involving slavery and jail time, it finally happened. 
See, the thing is, what we don't like about this is that we all want the instant success. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist. Everything has a waiting period. Everything has time to put into things. And so we have to understand, if you really want to fast pass your growth, if you really want that line to become short, here's how you do it. Number three, fast pass your weight by focusing on growth. Even Jesus did this. Look at Luke chapter 252. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. To grow in wisdom means he grew in knowledge. Let me ask you something. Is what God called you to, does it require education? Then why aren't you in school? You are putting off your future by not getting that done. Or maybe it's not school. You just need knowledge. You know, why have you not gone to someone who has what you want, who's already doing what you want to do, and said, how would you do this? Tell me your path to this. How would you get here so I can know what path I need to take as well? Maybe you're asking God to do great things in your life, and God's saying, why don't you learn to control and handle money? You're you're so indebted, I, I can't use you. So sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is cut your credit cards up and go listen to Dave Ramsey a little bit and realize we need to spend less money so we are financially stable. Maybe for you it's not focusing on wisdom. Maybe it's a stature in favor with God and man. Maybe you just need to grow in the Lord. So God, I just need to know you. You're like, oh, God, I want to do big things for you. But, but you hardly recognize his voice when he's speaking to you because you're not in his word, regularly, regularly part of a local church, getting plugged in, accountable to others. That's how you grow. Could it be that we all want to look like Samson, but we forget that Samson's really just a little baby on the inside? It's one thing to look strong. It's another thing to be strong. I mean, Delilah, whew, she looked good, and that was it. Nothing else there. How many men would admit that they've dated a girl like that that looked good, and then you got to know them? They're like, well, you used to look good until <laughs> I talked to you. And then you opened your mouth, and then it got worse, right? And so God has a way of eventually unveiling that to us. We realize, wait, there's got to be more here. And so fast pass your weight by focusing on growth. Colossians 1.11 says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all the glorious power so that you will have all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. So God wants to strengthen you to be able to have patience. He doesn't just strengthen you to do big things. We always think, oh, God, give me your power today, right? But God doesn't need to give me the power that Moses needed to part the Red Sea. I don't need that kind of power today. I just need the power to get up and, you know, not talk back to my kids. I just need the power to get to work on time. I just need that kind of power. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't, Lord, I don't need you to help me part the Red Sea today. Can you just help me not raise the wrong finger to people in traffic? That'd be great today, Lord. Could you help me with that? You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you need some simple power. You don't need like this crazy level, like, I need to do this, and I need the power of Elijah to be able to conquer all the false prophets. It's like, no, I just need to be able to get up on time. I just need the power to turn off Netflix and not, you know, play Fortnite all night. I just need the power to do some simple things, right? And so oftentimes we're asking for this great power. And God's like, man, we, let's just do some simple things. Before you get on the big ride, let's just get on the small ride. Wait on the Lord. You know, wait on the Lord may mean for you, it may mean setting your alarm five minutes earlier and spending some time with God. Something as simple as that. Well, that's ridiculous. And no one's going to get spiritual in five minutes. So right now you're spending zero minutes. So I think five minutes is an improvement. And as you continue to grow in the Lord, you will strengthen yourself over time. Here's what's cool about Samson. You think, oh, it's done for him. And he's blinded now. His life is over. No. No, it's not. Apparently, Samson saw better when he was blinded. I wonder if God sometimes allows deficits in our lives because we actually follow him better with the deficit than we do when we have full power? I wonder if the Lord allows us to be blinded in some area, like Samson was, or Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul. 
Jesus showed up and said, why are you persecuting me? Oh, I'm not doing that. Bam, blinds him. Oh, I can't see anything. Now he's like, now they got your attention? Now that you can't see anything? I wonder if God allows so much activity to happen just to be glazing you over. I can't even see where I'm supposed to go. And God says, finally, now you're going to listen to me. You know what happens when you lose your sight? You get heightened hearing. You can hear better when you can't see. Interesting, isn't it? Is God letting you lose an eye? Maybe like Paul had a thorn in the side. He apparently was a better apostle with a thorn in the side than on his own. Maybe, maybe like Jacob in the Bible that God had to render his socket, pulled his, his hip out of socket, and then he followed the Lord and worshipped him and put him first in his life because apparently he walked better with a limp than he did at full power. I wonder if God has allowed a deficit to happen in our life to get us to listen to him. So here now, Samson, strong as he is, can't see in front of his face. He can't see anything. And so look what happens in his life. First of all, Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait upon the Lord will get fresh strength. I love that translation. Fresh strength, which means that God's strengthening you. Here's what's great. If you've lost some power, if you made some bad decisions, I got good news for you, Samson. You lost your hair. Guess what? Every day, it's growing back. Every day you're going to get stronger. Maybe you've really gone through it this last year. I got good news for you. Follow the Lord every day. Wait upon the Lord. Guess what? Every day you're strengthening. You are now becoming stronger. I declared it over you in Jesus' name that you're becoming stronger. You have what it takes. You can do what God's called you to do. You can. Look what happens. So eventually there's a big party going on. The Philistines are celebrating that they captured the great warrior Samson. So they're throwing the big party. Now, their parties were not like normal parties. I mean, it was like crazy, okay? This is like Playboy Mansion party, okay? It's how they worship their God. You can imagine how popular that religion was, right? So they're all upstairs on, on this top floor having this big, giant party. And so I'm sure the music is thumping. They got it going on. Samson's down below. They're all making fun of him. Look at him. He's such a wuss. Look at that. He doesn't even see anymore. And so Samson is downstairs, and they're dragging him out to dry, make sport of him. They're basically making fun of him. Like, oh, come on, Samson. Do some jumping do some push-ups. Come on. Let's watch you bench press now. Let's see what you can do. And so they're basically making fun of him. And so while they're doing that, Samson can't see anything. He's totally blind. Can you imagine how scary it would be to be totally, oh, blind? I mean, because you never know what step. I'm making you nervous, aren't I? <laughs> can you imagine Samson not being able to see anything? He can see nothing. And this is the last thing I want to leave you with. We walk better with God when we're blinded. Walk blindly with your God. So he says, hey, he tells the assistant that's with him, that's assigned to him since he can't see anything, hey, where are those two pillars at that are holding up this whole building? I'm sure the assistant was like, how does he know where the two pillars are? He's blind. But Samson's like, no, I remember. I don't have to have my eyes. Remember, I've been to Club Toxic before. I know what the stuff, I know what's going on. <laughs> I know what Club Pure looks like. I remember it. So he hears the music, he's like, hey, place me by those two pillars. He gets in between the two pillars. He says, God, my hair's grown back. I'm listening to you, Lord. One last time, God, please, Lord, give me the strength to do what I was supposed to do all along, which was to fight the Philistines. Lord, in one last move, help me, Lord, to take them out. So Samson gets in between those pillars and pushes and supernatural strength comes back to him as he pushes. Did you catch that? You want your strength back? It's as you push. It's as you go. It's as you listen. It's as you serve. It's as you grow. You get your strength. 
Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Please strengthen me just one more time. Then Samson put his hands on the two uh, center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. What does this mean for you and me? It means we got to learn to walk with God blindly. Years ago, we were building this building. We ran out of money. Not because we were being foolish, but because steel had doubled in price overnight. This is back in 2006, 2007. Some of you remember those days. If you're in construction, you certainly do. And so all of a sudden, our budget just got way out of whack. And I was like, Lord, I, I don't know how to make up this number. There's, we're, we're, people are sacrificing. We don't have it. I was like, God, we have a deficit. And I don't know what to do. I remember I just sensed in my spirit one day, God speaking to me through the word of God to come up to this half-built building and walk around it every day seven times and pray. I didn't tell anyone I was doing that. I just decided to do it. And I came up here every day, rain or shine. There were some cold days walking around a half-built building. One day it was raining so hard that, that I remember I had clogs of mud around my feet. I just kept walking. I just kept saying, God, I don't know why you're doing this, but I'm just going to seek you. I don't know how to provide for this, Lord. I don't have the money, but I know you've led us, Lord. I don't think you led us to have a half-built building. And I just would pray. And here's what I learned. God had the money the whole time. What he wanted me to have was the development, the faith. And as I walked around, I didn't even know what was happening. But every step I took and I said, God, I don't know what I'm doing, the power of God was coming on me. God was giving me his power. When I learned to trust in him, scared to death, saying, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know you told me to do it. I know you gave me your promise, and so I'm just going to seek you. I'm going to wait upon the Lord. And God miraculously provided every penny we needed for this building. But the miracle didn't happen until I learned to trust the weight. Today, do you need to trust the weight? Do you need to trust the process? Would you take a moment right now and pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to encourage you in this prayer time. Where are you having to wait? Circle it. Walk around it and pray. Some of you right now need to start circling your master bedroom and praying for your husband, praying for your wife. Some of you need to go walk the rooms where your kids are and pray over their rooms. God, please turn my child around. God, please get a hold of their heart. What is it that you need to go pray? Wait on the Lord. He will renew your strength. He'll give you fresh strength. Because you thought it was about doing this or that. I thought it was about building a building and what God told me. No, it's about building my people. It's never about buildings. It's about the people. It's about God doing something fresh in you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, your problem is not the problem. Your deficit is meant to lead you to your greatness. God has big plans for you, but you got to trust him in the dark. Trust him when you can see nothing. And everyone around you is partying, and you're blinded, but you trust the Lord. And he will set you up for your greatest moment. With your head bowed and your eyes closed during this prayer time, will you trust the Lord? If you say today, God, thank you, you're speaking to me. I need to trust the weight. I'm not going to waste my weight. I'm going to grow. I want to improve. I want to depend upon you. If that's you today, lift your hands high. Say, God, just grow me. 
stretch me, make me into the man of God, make me into the woman of God you want me to be. Thank you. There are hands going up all across all of our churches. Thank you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can pray and receive him right now. You can pray this simple prayer with me. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sin, and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen.